Welcome everybody, I'm Martina Drago and this is Talking Films, the podcast which investigates revolutionary films. Today we officially start our journey through cinema and we're going to begin with a very outstanding movie. Let's just say that it really changed this industry, the film industry, and that many prestigious organizations like the American Film Institute consider this one as the best American film in history. Today, we're going to investigate Horson Wells' masterpiece, Citizen Kane. I'll let you in on another little secret, Mr. Thatcher. I think I'm the man to do it, you see. I have money and property. If I don't look after the interests of the underprivileged, maybe somebody else will. In this episode, Fred Krutnik, lecturer of American cinema at the University of Sussex, will join us to chat and discuss the film. Now Frank will help me to give you a little bit of historical and social context before we actually start arguing what makes this film so relevant and so revolutionary. Because keep in mind that it's always important to know what came before something, to truly understand why and how that something changed the game. I do apologize in advance for the bad audio quality of Frank's interview, but unfortunately we had to conduct it remotely because of the current COVID situation. Here he is, Frank Krutnik. Well, Citizen Kane is an interesting example of a film that suffers from a certain reputation. I mean, the film has routinely been applauded as the greatest film ever made. So the idea, I think, was to um, cast an eye over the uh, the events of the first half of the 20th century. So the, the, the film tracks the progression of the central character, Charles Foster Kane, from his early years, I think in the late Victorian period, up until the 1940s. So we're dealing with a very kind of, yeah, a crucial period in American history. There's the Spanish Civil War, for example, in the uh, late uh, 1890s, um, then the First World War, and so on. So there's a kind of like, I mean, in some ways, what, what the film is doing is trying to explore the influence of the media and of media barons on the American public during that time, but also trying to track the impact that incredible success and incredible wealth has upon one initially very fragile individual. Now, Citizen Kane was the first film realized by an extremely talented artist, Orson Welles, who was only 24 when in 1941 he directed, wrote, produced the film and also played the leading role. Citizen Kane tells the life of a very wealthy man called Charles Foster Kane, and he does so by means of a group of journalists that tries to retrace Kane's turbulent life following his death. The aim these journalists have is understanding, giving a meaning to Kane's last words. If you could have found out that Rosebud meant, I bet that would have explained everything. No, I don't think so. Mr. Kane was a man who got everything he wanted and then lost it. Maybe Rosebud was something he couldn't get or something he lost. Anyway, it wouldn't have explained anything. I don't think any word can explain a man's life. Now, even though the story could seem quite normal, what really established the film as a milestone are the techniques used in its cinematography and montage. But before exploring them, it's crucial to say that some of these techniques had already been used before Citizen Kane was realized in 1941. But the way Orson Welles took advantage of them was the really game changer. And since Citizen Kane, these techniques have been largely used in cinema, becoming mainstream. 
Well, I think it's it is an uh, Citizen Kane is an innovative film, not because it invents new techniques, but because the way it assembles uh, sort of visual and audio techniques that were already available. So it's more more its creativity is more to do with its assemblage than its kind of innovation as such. I think one of the reasons why the film is constantly applauded by critics is that this is a film. This is very much a Hollywood art film, and um, a lot of critics who let's face it, despise Hollywood, like Citizen Kane, because it's it's a way of actually showing how, you know, how impoverished, how creatively impoverished many other Hollywood films are perceived to be. So this is very much, as I say, a Hollywood art film. It's very, um, it's, it's championed because of its um, distinctiveness in terms of uh, visual style, uh, editing, and especially in terms of the soundtrack. Um, so I think this, this, and also I think the film is championed because of the, if it's controversy you know when Wells made this movie it was a film that was initially applauded by critics but then there was a huge kind of media backlash from the Hearst press and the film was effectively censored so again this shows this is a film that's um, picked on by uh, picked up by critics because they want to challenge you know orthodox Hollywood productions but also orthodox American popular culture If we talk of cinematography, what Horson Wells did in Citizen Kane was a total visual innovation. His use of elements like tracking camera, chiaroscuro, wide shot, close-up and much more brought the audience into a new kind of cinema, much less static and fragmented compared to the one they were used to. Thanks to Citizen Kane's techniques, they had the chance to live a much more captivating experience. But let's see some of these techniques a little bit more in detail. Citizen Kane is very famous for its use of deep focus and consequently for the composition of its scenes. In cinema, as in photography, there are two types of focus, the deep focus and the shallow focus. The deep focus makes everything visible, both on the background and on the foreground. While the shallow focus, used in early films, was used to drive attention on the foreground because the background was blurry. Basically, this means that when you watch Citizen Kane, you can perfectly see the characters on the foreground, but you can also spot all the elements on the background. And this is the reason why they paid a lot of attention at the composition of the scenes and at all the props while producing the film. Another technique is the use of floating camera to create tracking shots. This gives the impression of the camera moving through the objects and avoids useless cuts. Meanwhile, early films use the classic techniques of short reverse shot, which is basically what you see when in a movie two characters are having a conversation and you face the one who is talking in that moment, while a little part of the other person is shown blurry on the foreground. Wells plays a lot with the camera in this film, using low-angle shots and close-ups to give the audience a new point of view, a new and more dynamic way to live films. Chiaroscuro and lighting in general is another important aspect of the film. Citizen Kane is one of the first movies that start using shadows and light as a visual storytelling technique, 
Well, Wells was very, very lucky in terms of his collaborators. He had a great scriptwriter in Herman Mankiewicz. Uh, he had an incredible cinematographer in John, uh, Greg Toland. And um, Greg Toland and Citizen Kane worked very... Uh, Greg Toland and Orson Wells worked very, very closely on the visual design of this film. And they were determined to, you know, make extensive use of... Um, deep focus techniques, which became a kind of key innovation through the 1940s, um, but also the use of lighting. Um, there's a lot of interesting special effects in the film as well. So a lot of what you think are, you know, innovative <coughs> deep focus shots are actually achieved through the use of optical printers. So Wells, it wasn't just a question of creative individuals, but the resources they were able to use. Orson Wells famously said that the work in RKO was like the best train set a boy ever had. You know, he had free reign of this studio's facilities. So I think that was a that was a crucial thing. Both the collaboration. I mean, as well, Wells is often seen as a genius because of Citizen Kane, but that genius is something that's shared between Wells and his collaborators. The second aspect that makes Citizen Kane a masterpiece is the montage. But to explore it, let's consider first the difference between plot and story. You can find these two elements in any film. The story is the content of the film, what the film is actually about, while the plot is the way the content is shown. For example, in Citizen Kane, the story would go something like this. After the death of a very wealthy and influential personality, Charles Forster Kane, a group of journalists tries to understand the meaning of this man's last words. Even though the story of the film seems very basic, it results to be very complex, and this happens because of the movie's plot, because of the way this content is told. In Citizen Kane, we don't get from point one to point two in a linear way. The film is extremely fragmented because of the use of flashbacks. In the beginning of the film, the audience understands or thinks to understand what the film is about, because the story is there, explicitly in front of us. The aim of the film, and consequently what should happen, is clear. However, it is the plot that changes everything, and by the end of the movie, the story is completely rewritten. For us, maybe this non-linear narrative is not particularly revolutionary, but in 1941 it definitely was. Before Citizen Kane, the story was very basic and simple, with only few exceptions. This film opened up cinema to many more possibilities and intricate stories. Probably, without Citizen Kane, we wouldn't have neither Quentin Tarantino nor Christopher Nolan. Well, there's, all, there's an interesting kind of uh, tension between, if you like, fragmentation and coherence in, in this film. Because although, you know, it doesn't go as far as Wells and Mankiewicz wanted in offering a series of fragments that don't ultimately cohere, one of the most controversial aspects of the film is actually the ending, the revelation of Rosebud. Because um, some critics, I can't remember the name of it, but some critics once described um, the Rosebud device as a gimmick, described it as a dollar book from so in some ways at the end of the film you're given some kind of resolution you know that oh yes so Rosebud does explain something about Kane and we found out that Rosebud 
was the name of a sled that um, in some ways signifies the childhood that was taken from Charles Foster Kane. And a lot of his problems later in life are ascribed to this kind of loss of childhood. So the man is never happy, he can never have fulfilling relationships, he can never, you know, he can never become a fully settled individual. And what's interest, most interesting about that, I suppose, is that we, we see what, what, the identity of Rosebud because we see the sled burning in a furnace, but the reporter who's trying to track the meaning of that word never does. And he's, he actually says at the very end, I doubt if one word can ever explain a man. So there's an interesting sense in which the film has a get out of jail free card, basically, where we're given an answer that in some ways settles the mystery of who Charles Foster Kane is. But the detective in the film, the reporter, never actually learns that at all. I have to say that the first time I actually watched Citizen Kane, I wasn't particularly enthusiastic about it. I mean, I, I didn't understand why it was considered one of the most important and most influential movies of all time. I didn't see anything revolutionary or different in that film. But that's the point. Everything we see in today's films, from deep focus to tracking shots, is because of Orson Welles' masterpiece. Every single element which seems so natural to us was born or reborn there in 1941. Come on, boys! Be careful, Charles! Pull your muffler around your neck, Charles. Kane, I think we shall have to tell him now. Yes. I'll sign those papers now, Mr. Thatcher. Citizen Kane has been an inspiration for 80 years to the film industry. And so many great personalities like Martin Scorsese, Steven Spielberg, Wes Anderson paid direct tribute to Wells' work in their own films. Citizen Kane is a very playful film and because of its fame um, and it's as I say it's it's the way it works as kind of alternative to Hollywood, the Hollywood mainstream it's a film that's always taught in film schools <coughs> so a lot pardon me so, so ma many um, filmmakers have actually encountered Citizen Kane as a formative part of their education into how film operates and that's why it's been very influential you know uh, much more so than many other films that it may have kind of borrowed ideas from for example you know um, so I think no, it is an incredibly powerful film uh, if read in the right way I think it's a film that can still dazzle and it can dazzle more so when you're more aware of the context from which the film sprang you know the the cinematic context from which the film sprang and often people don't just encounter Susan Kane but they encounter Citizen Kane as part of a narrative about Orson Welles, the genius conflicting with Hollywood. So that kind of myth has been very influential on how lots of um, wannabe directors like Tarantino see themselves. They want to see themselves as uh, not just normal filmmakers, but filmmakers who are have something special. You know, and these are often guys, by the way. It's very much a, a male myth, I think. You know, so I think there are various reasons why the film has proved influential, um, and you know, especially when you call something the greatest whatever ever made clearly people are going to gravitate towards it either learn from it or reject it there is no doubt in saying that citizen kane was and still is revolutionary because without it we wouldn't experience the same cinema we experience today because without it we wouldn't have the same cinema we have today This 
is all for today, but we will be back soon with another revolutionary film. Thanks to Frank Rudnick and to you all for joining me today. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter and have a look at our webpage. I'm Martina Drago and this was Talking Films, the podcast which investigates revolutionary films.